wrestling has more than one royal family. Yeah, guys, I apologize for that. Man. A little premature initiation there, for sure. Yeah, my 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 stream started a bit early. I tried to. You might have about a half second of editing to do there on mine. I'm sure you can line it up fine. Yeah, I've got I've got multiple days to line it up, but I I had thrown myself off because I could hear Cody Rhodes' voice, and I was like, "What is happening?" And then I realized I hadn't muted the other track I've already downloaded for. Oh, <laughs> introduction purposes. Nice. Oh man. But here we are now. So yes, uh you can find the show at Where to Turn Pod. I would like to say you could find me on Twitter at Tommy Two underscore zero, but I have lost access to the account. So I will not be tweeting until we can get that situation rectified. But I am happy to be here on the podcast with you gentlemen today. I still haven't hadn't reset that password or track that down. Does Asian Fortnite guy have it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I may have to check with that guy. It turns out, in order to reset a password, you have to also understand what email address the account was originally created with, and that is proving to be quite problematic. Mm. Because... Point Break Dave set up the account for me a long time ago, and he can't remember which email address he used to set up the account. Well, it's not it's not Twin Peaks Sharpshooter <laughs> at Gmail dot com. For the record, I have four email addresses. I have the one that I use day to day. I have the one that I use for serious things like job applications and stuff where I want to sound professional. I have one that I use only to sign up for things that I know are going to generate spam email that I don't want. Uh, And then I have one for the Twin Peaks coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) And I checked, I put all four of those email addresses in and to recover my password and none of them worked. So... I'm pretty much out of ideas at this point. I was the victim of using a Twitter client that was not supported by Elon. And they, uh, you know, I had my password or whatever auto-saved and it never logged back in. It was just always stayed logged in. And then one day I realized my tweets weren't updating and got the little pop-up message that said, hey... Twitter's decided not to make their API available to developers anymore, and our product doesn't work. Good luck. May God have mercy on your soul, and I can't recover my password. That's a tough one. You're out on TweetDeck somewhere? Yeah, I was on a very sketchy product called Echo Phone. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. They had been around for 12 years, they said in their goodbye email that they didn't send to me because I can't get their emails, but it knows their goodbye message when you log in. But it said, hey, keep checking back because there may be big things in store. Oh, I'm sure there are. So they may be pivoting to a coffee shop model. I don't know. Surely, though, your password's saved locally on your phone. 
That was the first thing I checked, and it's not. It's. I think I, I've been logged into it for so long that I never. it never even asked me if I wanted to store it anywhere. So, hmm. The next thing is going to be you fessing up to all the different CD burner email accounts you have, and let me start pumping those through there. Because I bet there's a lot. I bet there's so many. <laughs> I need to... Uh, All those free trials, those seven-day <laughs> free trials you've been signing up for. Well, you don't have to do that because you have a lifetime free trial on everything I buy, apparently. <laughs> Every <laughs> subscription service I have, you're hijacking. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So just, yeah, how's Hulu and Disney Plus and Spotify working out for you? And Hey, if you think I'm hijacking your Spotify... I'm paying like family Spotify for my whole my whole crew over here. Oh, I thought you were on my family plan. No, that's weird. Why would you be on his family plan? You have your own. Family. Oh, I have plenty of people on my plan that aren't part of my family. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Uh, okay. The guy that that had your Brock Lesnar T-shirt, he's on there. <laughs> <laughs> so it works on Cricket Wireless. <laughs> He's throwing the algorithm way off. Yeah, the uh, the girl that drove our boat in uh, San Antonio, she's on there. <laughs> got a lot of people we got to talk about here. Um, no, uh, and and by the way, uh, now you've now I'm half hot. I'm paying for my own Amazon Prime now too. Wasn't intentional, but I somehow <laughs> am. <laughs> they just started billing me for it one month, and I have no idea how it started. I I really to this day am mystified. Uh, it's gonna be a real shame that eighty bucks a year or whatever it is. Yeah, I had a bad customer service interaction with a uh, internet provider this week. They may also sponsor a lower cup series, but I won't name the name of the company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. But like, if you wanted to see the fine work of AJ Almendinger, <laughs> this could be your company. Okay. But I'm convinced this is gonna this is gonna go back to episode one. Gustav is gonna send a, a, an email to you because he can't contact me <laughs> and be like, "Hey, I mean, that was a good episode, but you guys got to cut it out on the uh, on the racial stuff, the, the Asian stuff." Yeah, the Asian stuff. But boy, Hong Kong Paul answered oh, the phone no. when I called, and was a, was, I gotta a I gotta win, commend win situation. I've got to commend this company because they so defeated Hong Kong Paul so defeated me that I finally just hung up. I told him thank you. I said at this point I'm just going to hang up and keep paying the $25 a month extra that my bill just magically went up to because I can't talk to you anymore. So Hong Kong Paul won <laughs> by trying to be helpful. Right, some sort of sneak attack. <laughs> oh, he did. So so listen to what I I actually am pretty proud of myself. So I called I called and I said, "Look, my bill has been one amount for 3 years. And all of a sudden now it's $25 more and I can't see any reason why that happened." And after about 45 minutes of him trying to explain, I said, "Listen, stop talking. Just go in the computer and make my bill what it was before and I'll be happy." And he said, "I can do that." So he puts me on hold. He comes back 10 minutes later. He says, I've got it all set up. Your bill's back to what it was before. And, I, and he said, all I need is your verbal confirmation to make the changes to your account. 
And your and password said, to your Twitter account. <laughs> yes. And I said, why do you need my verbal consent to make changes? All I ask you to do is just go back to exactly how it was before. And he said, no, I need your, I need your change. I need your verbal consent. And I said, well, since I don't understand anything you did, can you email me what you changed on my account? And then I'll reply to your email and agree to it. And he said, sure. So I get an email and find out that what I was agreeing to was basically to reduce the speed of my home internet by 75%. (laughs) And that's how he was getting the price back down. So he was pulling a fast one on me. He was pulling a sneak attack on me. Now I come to He did exactly what you said. He did exactly what Dave said. So I was I was living the gigabit lifestyle, and he wanted me to go down to the 200 meg lifestyle. And let me tell you something. That's not happening, brother. No, that is not happening, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother. Tommy's got to be able to play VR shirtless in the background <laughs> <laughs> while he works from home. Great, great, great reference. Great commercial. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, you can find me at Glenn3 underscore 11. And you can find password me at, intact. Yes, you're still tweeting. You can find me yeah. at point break underscore Dave. Also, still tweeting. That's right. Still alive. Well, sixty six percent of the show will interact with you on Twitter, but a hundred percent of the show found their way to San Antonio last weekend. Boy, did we! And what a weekend it was. And before we get to the weekend itself, I didn't even realize. But I got out of there just in time because if I hadn't have flown out Sunday night, I would probably still be there with you guys. Because <laughs> yeah. of Big Ice. Because Big Ice. So did Big Ice have an impact on you, Glenn? Were you uh, subject no. to the pipe breaking? No, it wasn't um, quite as severe. You know, it was uh, freezing temperatures, but we're talking just barely. You know, high twenties, low thirties. It wasn't like the the disaster of 2021 where it was 7 degrees outside for like 5 days straight. It was just cold enough to for everything to accumulate and stay frozen, but no issues with power, nothing like that. I mean, we started the end of the trip and worked backwards, I guess, for the rumble trip, but on our on our way back up to Dallas, I mean, we a couple hours later the ice hadn't hit yet, but the cold, cold temperatures certainly had. Because I think we uh, stopped on the way back, and it was about 81 outside. And by the time I pulled in front of my house, I think it was about 37 degrees. Wow. How about in Austin, Texas, Dave? Any trouble down there? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, Austin Austin got hit pretty bad. Like uh, a lot of power outages nothing to do with the grid it was all just limbs falling on power lines but um we never lost power and had a few had a few tree limbs go down uh two of them were pretty small that i took care of myself third one pretty big i mean it was the ricochet of tree limbs and it was fairly high and i didn't want to gray gab it myself so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to become governor of Texas, <laughs> so I was l- looking at it. And well, side note, like I don't, I don't own many uh, lawn care equipment tools, and certainly don't have a pole saw. And you couldn't buy them. Like 
Lowe's, Home Depot, everything was sold out. So I was sitting out there trying to uh, figure out where I was going to get a saw. And next, a few houses down, remember when Rey Mysterio didn't come out for the Royal Rumble? Well, (laughs) apparently he came to Austin to take care of some tree work. (laughs) He brought a chainsaw. So I walked down there and uh, (laughs) chatted with the uh, two nice gentlemen down there. And yeah, 80 bucks later problem solved and yeah. i was never in danger <laughs> so dominic totally worth it didn't endanger you is what you're saying nope good to go oh so yeah um i did have some travel woes that lined up and, and i i believe we might have talked about this with brad beforehand but ended up having to change uh my whole approach for the travel weekend due to some issues, last minute issues with the childcare we had lined up. So ended up bringing both kids to uh, Texas with me instead of leaving the younger at home. I can confirm if you buy two Southwest tickets on your account and get your A-list boarding and then you buy a third ticket that doesn't have that, but you just all line up at the same time, they'll let you on the plane. That's not a problem. They're not going to send yeah. the six-year-old to the back of the They're line. They're not going to send the seven-year-old back to the back of the line, so that's good. <laughs> and uh, because of the late hour in which we were arriving, my son is completely out of excused absences from school, so he had to attend school Friday, or the truancy officer would have been notified. What is he missing school? Otherwise, well, th- there was a uh, a trip to the Dominican Republic for a week during school. Oh, yeah, that's and right. there was a, right. a COVID incident, and you know the, we were out of we were out of freebies. Also, they were, uh, they were looking taking for your... uh, they were looking for attendance. Yeah, you got to stop taking your kids out of school for weeks at a time. I know, underreported. It's very important in their development. Underreported part of Tommy's story here is uh, I don't know if we talked about this, but I had a work trip to Vegas the Sunday through Thursday of that week, and then turned around Friday to go to the uh, Royal Rumble. So while I'm in Vegas, I get a call from Tommy of, "Hey, you think your wife would mind watching an extra kid all weekend?" <laughs> so. <laughs> I had to sober up enough to call the wife and and sell that through, uh, but thankfully she's a saint and and no no issues. But yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> that was basically this trip happen. <laughs> yeah, that was basically if if the answer is no, we can't come. So I think you made the right decision. I in fact, in hindsight, I know you made the right decision. But Dave even goes a step further than that, because when we arrive at the airport, Dave lives about 30 minutes the wrong direction in this case. He li- he lives 30 minutes away from San Antonio. And it, we landed pretty late in the evening. It was dark outside, and, and we were looking at it maybe an hour, 15-minute drive from the airport to San Antonio. So we're, we, if we were going to add in 30 minutes to Dave's house... 30 minutes back plus an hour 15 we're you know we're we're now bordering on a close to midnight arrival in san antonio and for a short trip like this that's just not going to work so 
Much to my surprise, I'm standing down in pickup area G at Bergstrom Airport. This is before Southwest and FedEx tried to <laughs> run into each other on the runway. Oh, or after. No, before. before. And I see not one, but two BMWs on their way to my location. Because Dave had enlisted the help of Mrs. Dave to take the younger child with her, so we could just slide right into our luxury accommodations and head to San Antonio. And I will tell you, we got in the back of that car. There was sparkling water in the cup holder. This is not a joke. No, it's not. I was back there at some point during the trip, so yeah. I witnessed all this. Yeah, there was sparkling water in the cup holder. And then Dave spent the next hour and 15 minutes trying to prove to me... My son, and, and what what nickname do we have for our front seat passenger? The fake HBK. The fake HBK that his car would drive hands-free. So he just kept taking his hands off the steering wheel, and then we'd run off like halfway into the shoulder and be like, oh, no, 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 I swear this works. Just hold on. <laughs> Such a lie. It's, it's going to work next time. Then we'd almost run into the car in front of us. And he'd, no, 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 no. Hold on. This is going to work. It's such a lie, man. None of that happened. The self-drive is primo. I don't know who was riding in the seat I was riding in before me, but we were probably about 15 minutes into the drive, and I was like, gosh, it's I'm so hot back here. I took off my jacket, and then I looked down, and the, uh, of course, in, da- in Dave's BMW, there's literally climate control for every seat, not just like front seat, back seat. Every seat has their own climate control. Well, the seat my son's was in was set to 68. Mine was set to 78. So who's riding back there? Having their seat temperature turned up to 78. Kinda One of the kids, man. What, what kind of maniacs <laughs> you raising around there? Just doing bits. So we we didn't get to the house till till late uh, Friday. Tommy, Tommy Jr. and myself and fake HBK. Glenn, you arrived earlier in the day, and I want to hear about your travel. Yeah, we uh, our travel's down... From Dallas to San Antonio, so it's me, Sons of Glenn, and the fake Paul Bearer. Oh boy. And we always we, a wild card when he's involved. We got into uh you know, Team Subaru, got on the road probably about ten thirty that morning, and uh we were we were southbound. So made the trip down, had a nice had a nice lunch at Chick fil A. Nice. Made our way to downtown san antonio as i had purchased tickets for me and the boys to go see the alamo as they were very excited to see this historical site so you remembered i uh, we did remember the alamo fake paul bear although i did i did purchase him a ticket in case he wanted to go <laughs> he had some work to do so when we parked downtown he walked across the street to the marriott and got on a work conference call uh using their wi-fi and we headed over to the alamo so we did that it's quite enjoyable i think the perfect amount of time to spend at the alamo is what we did we had about an hour and a half to work with before it closed and it was like perfect to hit hit you know look at all the statues listen to the uh, the, you know, the presentations, go to the gift shop, um, go through the the one exhibit that they've got that's separate from the church itself. Um, and we were out in 90 minutes. Boys loved it. All good so to go. Do you want to reach out to the 
families of Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and tell them the perfect amount of time to spend at the Alamo? Well, nine, the, I guess coincidental part is 90 minutes is probably about as long as the battle actually lasted that morning. And as I've revisited the old Alamo movie since then, um, yeah, the battle definitely didn't happen just in the middle of the day sometime. And, and going back, and that that movie is so historically inaccurate. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable what they got away with in 1960. They were um, just trying to get Davy Crockett over, man. Come God, on, God, no kidding, man. He, he should have been animated. He's, the whole thing is so cartoonish. Um, so we went to the Alamo, and then we got out of there because we had to go to the house. We got to check the house out. So we get in there, we unpack, and we're thinking you know what, you know, uh, last year, uh, Paul Bearer was the team mom. I felt like, I I felt like we both teamed up this time. We were co-team mom because we got in and we, we unpacked our stuff. We're the first ones there. So we get to pick the rooms that we want, which was obvious by the time you, y'all got there because you walk in and like the, the, the master downstairs bedroom, like, yeah, that's, uh, that's mine. (laughs) So but but we're we got our stuff unpacked and we got it we need to get dinner but we also say you know we need stuff for the weekend and they're going to be here late we're not going to have time to go at 10 11 12 at night let's go to the store let's get stuff for everybody all weekend some nice breakfast stuff some snacks etc so we did that um then we found a local pizza place had a great meal and then as we're leaving and actually got back to the house we were we were just talking and it kind of, I was thinking back to our experience at the, at the pizza place. And so it's me, Paul Bearer, my two boys, and just how, I don't know, nice and accommodating that the waitress was, which was one. Like almost, it, almost would you say like inclusive? Yeah. So for one, we were the only four members, not of Lucha House Party that were in the establishment. But also from an inclusivity <laughs> standpoint, I started, we started talking about it. And when I got back, I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure the waitress thought that we, the four of us were a family. <laughs> and for that weekend you were. Uh, effectively. Yeah. We had lunch on the way down there. We had dinner, the four <laughs> of us, and we stopped halfway on the way home and, and ate at salt grass. <laughs> So I'm like 90% sure, because it didn't dawn on me at the time, but then we were talking about how the the place was really good. Like if we hadn't gone there that first night, like it probably would have been a place that, because we saw it on, that was close by. We just decided to go that night instead of maybe lunch the next day. So we went instead of going with the whole group. So sorry guys. But um, yeah, afterwards I was, we were just talking through it and it finally dawned on me like, Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm pr- I'm really really sure that that's what she thought. Which there's nothing wrong with that. We make a a, a fine family, very stable. The kids were well behaved. Like it was nothing out of the ordinary. Like this is routine. The four of us are always going out to dinner. Very so, squared away. So from there, w- once my boys were in the house and figured out where the Xbox was and how to get everything going, they were basically on that. The entire time that we weren't at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, we we pretty much never saw them the whole trip. Yeah. 
Unless somebody needed to go in that room for something. Right. They cast but, a wary uh, eye. When you were driving but, up to the house, yeah, did you kind of have the same reaction I had of like, um, oh no. <laughs> and then there'd be like another intersection, be like, oh, oh no. Then you start kind of praying silently, like, please help this to get better, please. I think, I think for the most part, the neighborhood was just, the homes were old and, but not like, they're not like falling apart. I just think that they were built, the one we were in was built in 59. So I'm thinking everything around but there, there was something like unique the about the one 50s. we were built because it, it had to be the biggest house in the neighborhood. I yeah. mean, it, it stood out in this neighborhood as far as, those like the family that lived there when this neighborhood went up in the fifties was was the one scoreboard and everybody else. Right. And that's what as we made that observation and we were turning on the road the house was on, I just kinda commented that I think the situation we've got here is Yeah, you had one family on this on this street that had quite a bit of money and didn't want to move from the area of the neighborhood, so they just built the biggest house they could and it wasn't surrounded by houses of familiar or similar sizes i mean um but nah, i mean once we got down there it was it was fine and actually a couple streets up from us the houses were definitely nicer than what we were in not that ours there was anything wrong with ours well there was well, a couple <laughs> things there was one thing it, wrong with ours because I, I texted you on the drive down and said you know hey we're gonna be there in about an hour how's the house and you said all pro foundation repair would have a field day with this place. Yeah, it was oh, the foundation was shaped like the golden arcs. <laughs> it was awful. Um, but so we had about two hours probably uh, between the time we got back from dinner and before you guys arrived. So we were kind of checking out the house, um, getting things squared away part of the house it seems like the heat was it was like this the heated seats part of the house was at 78 the other was at 60 so we had to even that out a little bit then we found the record player and uh me and paul bear just sat in the front room just spun some records and had nice conversation which is probably the nicest thing that ever happened in that front room yeah where did you sit judging by judging by some of the stains on the couch so this 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 living room area has two i guess reclining type lounge chairs which had no appearances of stains cuz i definitely checked them out before and after i saw the other um but there's this long orange couch by the wall and it was just it was a weird i, I wouldn't want to sit there anyway um, just the way it was situated and there was only the two of us it would be weird for me to sit on that couch by myself so but we were just curious about that's like the biggest couch I've ever seen <laughs> and then Paul Bearer walks over there and kind of looks at it and he's like oh you gotta check this out I mean <laughs> there are so many spots and stains on this thing like the the <laughs> This, like the city of Annapolis has seen less semen <laughs> than this couch. It was there were spots everywhere on it. Like it was like comical. There yeah, was so we, much. We feel like it's probably been the site for some filming. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, <clears throat> San Antonio themed, <laughs> and there were no curtains. 
in the front, like the, the, the two sliding glass right. doors. Well, in the yeah, front. you gotta have a and place the, to set up all your lighting and. But but even um, where the dining room dining area was, there were no blinds or anything. Yeah, it's just wide open windows. Right, and and feel like we probably spent the whole weekend with everybody driving by. Go, why is that house full of people watching wrestling <laughs> every time we go by? But that's what happened. That's true. That's true. But then you guys arrived. <clears throat> so we arrived, and not shortly after we arrived, Muscle Matt appeared. Oh yes. And it was at it was at this point that Dave's looking at his phone, looking at the house, looking at his phone, and he goes, "It says it sleeps sixteen. We've got nine. How do we not have enough beds for everybody in this house? Well, not only did we we only had nine, but obviously the entire Glenn family, Sans one room, Sans yeah. Paul Bear, who <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for this is not part of the Glenn family, and then Tommy and Tommy Junior, there you know that's five people in just two rooms, in two beds. Yeah, so there should be. Yeah ample for getting the the four of the remaining and yeah but uh you know like many great moments the real hbk had in san antonio fake hbk took one for the team and it's like i'll just sleep in the couch in the the game room and uh that made it all work but yeah that was that was disappointing to find so another interesting feature of this house was, besides the fact that it had a probably a four or five degree slant from one side to the other, and <laughs> like the shuffleboard, the shuffleboard would r- slide on its own one direction. <laughs> I've never seen a shuffleboard table where it would back up like a yes. foot and a half. <laughs> yeah, you had to count for it to roll back to- or slide back towards you. It also, as Glenn documented, had some pretty difficult heating and cooling situations. So what uh, apparently the owners of the home had done is they had, instead of installing solid bedroom doors, they had installed these slatted doors, which I'm assuming is to keep rooms from becoming unseasonably hot or cold. Uh, Another reason they did that is so that when Dave, Muscle Matt, and Glenn decide to get up at four in the morning to go to the gym, that they also can wake up the entire rest of the house (laughs) while they're down there uh, stamping around on the floor and mixing up their pre-workout shakes and first whatever other whatever other type of stretching was going on. First, I want to I want to give the uh, the true story. So. We did not get up at four. It was a late night. We got there. We watched wrestling for a while. Had to catch up on Friday night SmackDown. And so it was probably seven when we got up. Yeah. Because when Muscle Matt and I got up, fake Paul Bearer either got up at the same time or was already downstairs. Which, side note, I was surprised he was up that early because apparently he'd been chopping lumber <laughs> just running a skill saw the entire night because it was unbelievable <laughs> like even tommy who was all the way down the hall yeah heard there him. was uh there the cpap was needed <laughs> so yeah muscle matt and i are down there and are we're the only bedroom downstairs is is glenn and we're sitting around we're kind of making noise like waiting for you know, the door to open and you see a bright light like uh, Bray Wyatt's about to come out. <laughs> and we 
we wait around and we're like, well, you know, he's he's got the kids. Maybe I mean, usually Muscle Matt, Glenn, and I are the uh, the shield for going to work out on these trips. And finally, after a while, Muscle Matt and I are like, oh well, you know, we don't want to go barge into his room with his kids in there sleeping. So we we walk outside before we've opened the car door. <laughs> Here comes Glenn scrambling out of the house. <laughs> like I gotta work out. <laughs> Yeah, I heard. I heard you guys. I I I had woken up, but I was waiting for the boys, and I, I kind of got up and made some noise myself, uh, just to kind of rouse them because I didn't want to leave with them just sound asleep. So I was trying to just get them awake, and then I think I was just kind of getting ready to walk out, and then I heard y'all be like, "Okay, well we're gonna take off," and the door closed, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> So I walked up there, had to knock on the window. Shoosh. He'd be like, "I need a. Uh, I'm 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 going to be com- I'm coming with you, but uh, got to get the boys just squared away. Mister Paul Bearer will take care of them, I know. <laughs> but I also needed about ten to twelve minutes to take care of something, so I didn't have to take care of it at the gym. But very kindly, they waited for me, and then we headed to Gold's gym." Nice. Uh, we found a nice Gold's gym. Um, quick backstory. So I was looking around the the map around the house to see where the gym was. Saw that place. Was trying to find like the day pass pricing, which you can't buy a day pass there, but they have a free day pass. So I did that, and then they started texting me because you have to leave your phone number. And they're like, we want to schedule a time. I was like, oh, no, I just want to show up. And they're like, no, you have to meet with one of our trainers. <laughs> to which I responded. It's like a timeshare. Yeah. To which I responded, that will not happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then just left it at that. So uh, Glenn and I get there with, with Muscle Matt. Now, Muscle Matt is a member of Gold's Gym in uh, in Richardson. So we're like, well, you know, he's going to have to you know, sweet talk us in. So we walk in and the front desk girl was distracted talking to someone. Matt goes up to scan his phone and Glenn and I just, much like Nia Jax in the rumble, no one expected us to just blow right through. Just high-stepping right by the, doing the shark like Kenny Gant. (laughs) telling you, like 90% of the time, if you just act like you know what you're doing... No one will ever, ever mess with you, really, anywhere. So, yeah, we walked in the door, and we kind of just kind of were talking to each other and just kind of went head down and just and just walked past. Yeah, and then... And this all worked out great until it was time to leave, if I'm to understand. Yeah, yeah. so not a whole lot. I mean, the, we were kind of... It was a very nice Gold's Gym, but we were kind of disappointed because it... There was no content from it, right? It wasn't like St. Right. Louis Fitness Factory where we had all sorts of interesting characters and things going on. It was just a very normal commercial well, gym. Nobody, no normal person gets up at 6, six o'clock on a Saturday morning and goes to Gold's Gym. They sleep. The only, uh, the only fun part was, I mean, obviously, besides the setting all sorts of records on weightlifting, was <laughs> at the very end, Muscle Matt was laying down on a mat i forget what he was doing and glenn and i put the boots to him the real exaggerated 
which was enjoyable. So yeah, stomped a mud hole. We're going to we're going to walk out, and uh, so obviously there's no problem once you're in, like you're yeah. in. Once you're past the front desk, there's there's never a problem leaving. So we're walking out, the three of us, and we're walking past the counter, and the front desk girl that we blew past on the way in just <laughs> yells at Muscle Matt, Hey, are you Muscle Matt? At which point, Glenn and I kind of look at each other and it's like, much like the Royal Rumble, this is every man for himself. <laughs> and we just kept walking, never broke stride. Shade, yeah, shades of Buffalo Wild Wings in Austin. <laughs> and uh yeah we thought for sure that she was going to uh have a problem with muscle mat sneaking us in but it turns out she just wanted to tell him that he wasn't allowed in <laughs> and he's the only one that really had a plausible case to be allowed yeah. in because he actually had a membership card yeah but i guess it's not like a global but i did think muscle mats he didn't sign up for global entry <laughs> Muscle Matt's story was pretty funny because, of course, she's like, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not, your membership doesn't allow you. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. What do I need to do? And the girl's response was, I work here one day a week. I don't care. Right. Just go. Yeah. He he played the, I'm sorry. What do I have to do to make this right type of thing? Like, I definitely owe you something. But yeah, she didn't, she didn't care. So we got out of there. That was his story. Maybe the real way it played out was, so what do we, uh, what do we have to do here? I have an orange couch. I don't. <laughs> or he, in fact, had to, he had to buy day passes for all three of us. He spent like 50 bucks. He just didn't want to tell us. Back at the, we, back at the ranch, we, uh, we just did the opposite of work. Like, if you were going to go 180 degrees from working out, we, we door dashed Whataburger <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, twice, which unfortunately, yeah. HBK, as will be the theme of the trip, he was the hard luck. He's going to get the hard luck award for the whole trip. They brought all of our food except for his, so we had to call call back uh, or reorder again to get to get his food there, it w- which was just the s- start of a string of bad, bad things that are going to happen to him throughout the rest of the day but yeah once everybody was back president accounted for showered dressed we decided you know what san antonio is a pretty cool city they've got a cool downtown i think it's time to head on down to the riverwalk we're gonna make sure that we secure good parking and just spend the afternoon experiencing the great city of san antonio in that personal way that only we can and then, uh, and then the uh, make our way to the uh, to the venue in plenty of time because we are still traveling with Point Break Dave, so we don't want to we don't want to forget. <laughs> Although, yeah, the fun true. part about traveling downtown was uh, fake Paul Bear was in was in my vehicle for this, so we're driving and he's like, "Oh, I know, I know where we need to park," because for whatever reason, he seemed to fancy himself very uh, into the San Antonio scene he seemed yeah, to it's like our own tour guide. yeah so we're driving down and passing garages left and right and he's like no 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 i i know the one we need to get to okay so then as we're nearing it but i don't know where it is he's like oh you know it's just like a few lights down 
Then he goes into tour guide fake Paul Bear, and he's like pointing out. He's like, "Well, this building over here," and I'm like, I'm "Like, Paul Bear, I need you to tell me where to go." <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'll tell you when we get there. We're just driving along. You know, it's very congested, so you need a little bit of lead time to get over. And he's purely just pointing out the most random observations until we're right up at it. He's like, oh, you need to be all the way over here. It's classic. Yeah. Paul Bear is a fountain of knowledge. So we uh, we, we parked. We, we found out that the uh, Marriott that was close by where we parked was hosting a wrestling legends convention so we knew we wanted to try to swing by and check that out but then we also needed to deal with the matter of lunch we ended up at what was it called the yard house yeah and this is when this is the first yard house something like that it was a yard house yeah this is the the first time that i was starting to worry about hbk because Uh we're we're a good solid four or five hours pre-rumble and, uh, you know, we all got our, you know, small pint of beer and burger. And then they bring the full yard, not the half yard, the full yard. So th- this is a comically giant beer, <laughs> which the kids at the table got no short amount of enjoyment out of seeing. Yeah, they were amazed. And I thought, man, the uh, the HBK's not pacing himself here. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's going pretty hard pretty early here. So... We have our uh, we have our lunch. It was great, man. What a great place. Yeah. We had a, a big table view of the uh, you know view kind of out over downtown. We got to watch a man in full cane <laughs> costume oh, yes. walk by with the mask. <laughs> I think one of my favorite thing about these trips is being in the downtown area beforehand and just w- putting yourself in the shoes of somebody who just happened to be down there that day wondering what in the world is going on right. because half the people in this restaurant had title belts right there was l- dave's not exactly there's a guy in a full head-to-toe cane costume everybody's doing wrestling bits and gimmicks it was amazing you know and that i think that's my favorite part is just imagining the person that's that just doesn't know what's going on um we get done we uh we kind of make our way through the downtown area, walk along the river walk. And then there's a point in time when the kids are like, Hey, there's these boats that uh, we keep seeing go down the middle of the river. And boy, Paul bearer was first to pile on that train was like, Hey, he perked up boy. Did he ever. And, and point break Dave wanted nothing to do with this. <laughs> He's just like, nah, we're good. And everybody else is like, ah, I mean, we're here. And, and the next thing time. you know, we're in we line. Like three hours to kill. Yeah, we're in line for the boat ride, and I'm thinking to myself, "What is this? Three, four dollars a ticket?" Oh, <laughs> it was twice as much as what I thought. Yeah. So we're we have to you have to kind of the the ticketing situation was interesting. You kind of go in this convenience store that's there. Well, we come out of there, and we've all got our you know whatever they were seventeen dollars a head tickets. Well, when the fake HBAK comes out, he's also got now a full <laughs> yard-sized margarita for the boat ride. And, we, and mind you, we're still a good three hours before the it, Oh, before at least. The, like the event. Just three hours before we're going inside the Alamo yeah. Dome, which is going to be another hour before the event actually starts. Yes. So we get on the boat. We learn two things real quick. One is... Being the operator of the boat is the most thankless job in San Antonio because our girl actually had decent material 
mm-hmm. nobody. I mean, the crowd was was flatter than a uh, plate of piss. I mean, it was it was terrible. <laughs> she just could not get any heat. Yeah, uh, it was bad. And the second thing we learned is this was how the fake Paul Bearer had become a San Antonio expert is he had memorized the tour because all of right. these helpful facts that he had just been espousing earlier, we now know where he learned them all. Can you imagine what a beating it is to be on one of those on the river walk in the summer? Just think of how many people are on there and I, how close. I, I think we proximity. even talked about that later is, is, I mean, it was really, it was cold and a little rainy, but that has to be the hottest place on the face of the earth in the summer in between oh. all those buildings, no airflow. It's already humid and hot there anyways. I can't imagine how horrible that would be. Well, that's why they make you go through the, the margarita and, and slush station to buy your tickets. Cause you're like, I'm already spending 1450 for my eight year old <laughs> to get on this thing. Dad, let's give me, I'll have a $15 hurricane. <laughs> So I actually, uh, maybe an unpopular opinion, I actually really enjoyed the boat ride. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the jokes. I enjoyed getting to yeah. see the whole area. I'm, I'm very glad we did it. No regrets at all. We, uh, you know, there was one point in the tour when there was clearly some type of sexual assault happening uh, up <laughs> on the bank. With the and homeless? Our, our, yeah, amongst the homeless. And our boat driver stops the boat because she thinks somebody's in distress then realizes what's happening and is like, hey, everybody, let's just look the other direction uh, while I kick this thing back into overdrive real quick and get these children out of here. It was a good move. It was a great move. Um, we get off the boat, and now we're, you know, now we're getting into the realm of time when we, like, we probably want to spend about another hour down here and then start our trek to the arena. And we had passed so many patios along the way, and we said, hey, you know what would be great? Let's just walk back up here, find one of these patios, uh, and have a nice margarita before we head to the venue. And it, it sounded like the perfect the perfect end to a great afternoon. Well, as we come to find out, the Riverwalk doesn't necessarily send you in a direct path. There's stairs up and down, winding back and forth. The first place we went, the wait was 45 minutes. Well, it's at this point I'm noticing, because I'm walking directly in front of him, HBK's he's starting to waver a little bit and he's like, um, you guys are walking too fast. Mm. Um, do we really need to go up any more of these stairs? He's not feeling very good at this point. He's starting to get a little bit of a tummy ache as it were. The, uh, and I didn't have one, so I can't attest to this, but I imagine the, the foot long margarita was probably very cheap alcohol and a lot of sugar. And, yeah. and probably not, not a good, good combination. <laughs> no, not at all. So, of course, we end up at a uh, outdoor patio, and the uh, fake HBK decides we're all just going to have a margarita. He decides to order the most giant plate of <laughs> beef and bean nachos known to man to soak up all this alcohol that's causing him trouble. But then as soon as he starts to eat it, he realizes he doesn't really have the stomach to eat it. So, we, you know, we kind of helped him out. We took a few nachos. And then after, uh, after great conversation, he makes about five trips to the bathroom. We realize, okay, it's time to walk to the venue. And this is not a short walk. This is a, this oh, is a no. good, solid mile walk to the venue. 
and uh, and excitement, anticipation's building. Um, we do find out as we're getting down there, there was there's some interesting quirks to the uh, foot traffic. We might have walked a little out of the way. We had to come back up, walk around this circular pedestrian bridge, go under the highway, and we're finally at the Alamo Dome. We walk in the venue, and we can't find the face HPK. He has disappeared from our traveling party. <laughs> we do not know where he is gone, but he is no longer with us. We know this. It wasn't long. See, he missed, popped up pretty I, quickly. I was going to say. He did pop up. Yeah, I, I was worried I missed at this that. Because I was keeping a very wary eye on him, as I am one to uh, always fear the uh, person falling out on vacation, because it's happened to me before. And I was, I was at this point becoming concerned that, that uh, we were gonna have, we were gonna have a situation. But once we got to the arena, he didn't, uh, he didn't have like muscle mad at mania. Like no, he stayed, and watched the whole that. show. There wasn't <laughs> muscle mad he, at mania. He rallied. <laughs> he did. He he basically. I feel like you know a lot of people said Gunther deserved the Iron Man. I think <laughs> the fake HBK may deserve it because when he got to his seat, he was planted there the rest of the night. All was well again. I tell you, when we got in there, I think the show started at 7. We probably walked in there at least 45, 50 minutes. Yeah, it was about, it was about, it was about 45 minutes, I think, when we hit our yeah. seats. So I'm telling we we sat down and we waited. We were sitting same section, but me and the boys were about six rows behind you guys. And uh, I think we sat down and we waited about 10 minutes or so just to kind of take in the view what this is going to be like and i was like all right boys let's we're not gonna go get food and stuff during the show so let's go get something to drink and just something that'll hold us hold us over until it's done i feel like every single person after we entered the alamo dome stopped at the concession stand <laughs> before they went to their seats the lines were ridiculous well, I will, we, I will support you in that we left our seats during the event to try to do it and, and gave up because the line was so long and not moving, so it didn't get better. Right, and, and we walked right outside of our section, and I was like, this is, there's no way. Like, there's no way that line is going to take less than an hour to, to stand through. So we walked around because I thought, well, sometimes people will just think there's only one place to go, and you just walk five or six sections down, and you wait behind five people. It was the same everywhere. We finally found a line for Dippin' Dots that only had maybe eight people in it. And I said, boys, they've got Cokes, and they've got Dippin' Dots. That sounds like a pretty good dinner, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's what we all got. And it and until we got all the way back to the house and ate, that's what we, uh, that's what we survived on. Um, but the seats, fantastic. I think... Yeah, I think this is my favorite venue from the, the, I guess we've been to four of them now, Phoenix, Houston, St. Louis, and San Antonio. I think this was the my favorite venue out of the four. We could not have asked for a better vantage point. So again, you know, hat tip to Point Break Dave. We had real seats with real chair backs, but we were also in a, in a good position where we could see the action in the ring. You could actually watch the ring. You weren't so far away. Uh, it, it was It was a great vantage point. Yeah, no. Anticipation building. There was no dark matches. Nope. And they really didn't do a lot of video content, which I feel like was kind of a miss because, man, I'm locked in at that point. I mean, show me some build up, hype me up, and they, there really wasn't a lot of that going on. But boy, when 7 o'clock hit, 
you know, I leaned over to my son and I said, hey, look, they've got a referee on every corner of the ring. So they are definitely starting with the women's rumble like this is going to happen. And uh, they introduced Pat McAfee. The crowd's just jacked. You know, he's made kind of a surprise appearance, returned to the commentary table. And then they announced that they are starting with the men's Royal Rumble. And all of us look at each other and go, what? in the world are they thinking starting with the the thing everybody's the most hyped for arguably well the crowd was the crowd was not stunned they were they were hot i don't think we sat down maybe for for the next 70 minutes we maybe were seated for five of it i mean it was it was just fast-paced well-booked uh all the way through the match i mean just great spots in between and, you know, we had the added intrigue of our little side pod of everybody had certain numbers, so we're keeping track of who our guys are. Um, but it was, I mean, it was a, a, as hot of a 70-minute start as you could get. I mean, I was I was adrenaline at 100% for the first 70 minutes. Yeah, and I think we, or you guys, rewatched the whole thing the next morning. And then I know I kind of skimmed through it uh, one time after I got back, but especially like 10 to 15 was, I felt like the crowd was just on fire because you had, you had, I forgot who came out first. Gunther. And then you had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gunther was first overall. And then you had Seamus and Drew. And then you work your way. You had a few spares come out. And then you had somebody good come around at like 10. And then Lesnar came out at 12. And then Lashley at 13. And then Rollins at 15. And the crowd was just... Yeah. The crowd exploded when Lesnar came out. Yes. Everybody. we We were in the mix. And they had all the just biggest sirloin beef guys in the ring at the same time just chopping each other. And I mean, the crowd could not have been more electric at that point. So, you know, and we're not going to break down the whole event because no. this is not really what we do, but the, um, the uh, you know, match ends. Cody comes in number 30. I think there was a lot of people that were already expecting him to win. We kind of covered that in our episode with Brad last week. Y- you know, there's kind of this, you know, secret hope of just some big shock surprise entry. It didn't really happen, but the Rumble was great. I mean, it was a great match. Cody won. <laughs> the finish was very cool. Um, is Cody- got a great uh you know a great rub from being one and make it to the end yeah no they they really put put gunther over which obviously big favorite of everyone on this podcast has anyone heard the full health of cody because i've just noticed obviously he came in 30 so he wasn't in the match very long and now he's been out the last two raws yesterday we're recording this on a Tuesday and the raw right after, but in a suit, you know, no physicality. Well, he, he wrestled he before. Yeah. But I, I almost wonder if they're trying to slow him down. If something happened in oh, those matches and you. now they're trying to, but I don't know. I mean, obviously he did well, have a pretty lengthy, the, the, the Cody Gunther interaction at the end was definitely long for a Royal rumble, but I think that added a lot of, excitement to it even though you know deep down i don't think anybody was buying that they were going to go with gunther at least it it did kind of build some excitement and and i think really when it ended everybody was happy with the ending the crowd was on fire and then it's like 
oh crap, the men's Royal Rumble's over. Like that's why we flew down here, and we're watching every referee and technical person they have in the entire company in the ring frantically trying to figure out how to get the tape on the ropes for the stupid lights out match. The Mountain Dew pitch black match, sir. That's right. Sorry. Somebody didn't, I think somebody didn't account for the fact that the ropes had probably gotten moist from all of the Royal Rumble activity. And I don't think the tape was adhering the way they were expecting. And I mean, LA Knight was coming to the ring and there was still six or seven guys in the ring trying to get the ropes situated for this match. It looked kind of cool on TV. It was very difficult to follow in the arena because it was dark. And, you know, the Fiend's entrance is great. The uh, The ring looked cool. But remember, we'd just been standing up for 60 of the last 70 minutes. Everybody's needs a letdown. And now you're having a match that nobody can see. And the crowd just goes quiet. And it was just eerily quiet. And just nobody was really into it. You just couldn't muster much excitement. You know, they did this cool spot at the very end. Nobody could see it. It's just It was just a strange vibe uh, with them having that men's rumble first. Well, I think what, I mean, I agree with Tommy. You, you have the men's rumble first. It's going to be hard to follow that with anything. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, the fact that it was a, a gimmick match. No one knew what it was, but it it wasn't right. going to be a standard match from all the buildup. And then they got in there, and other than the ropes glowing and it being in, with like a black light, they were just having a match, you know? And you're like, well, like, what is, you know, with all the buildup of The Fiend and Uncle Howdy, you're like, why, why is this just a match? And it really was until the very end. I think at the very end, they pulled out like a glowing kendo stick. But 99% of it was just a straightforward match yeah. in the ring, and then it ends, and then obviously they had the bit after the end of the match, but when they, they counted three, you were just like, well, that that was it? Like, there was no yeah, that was it. Uncle Howdy, there was no anything. <laughs> well, no, and, right. and you didn't have the benefit of really being able to see facial expressions and different things to kind of get you engaged in the match, because it was dark. And yeah, it was it was disappointing. And then the, they followed that right up with Bianca and Alexa, and the crowd's just still not into it. And I mean, those are two wrestlers that I like. And this is the point where I my son was getting hungry, and I said, "Okay, we're going to go out and search for food." And that that ended up completely futile to the point where we got nothing. But we did miss the entire match. <laughs> uh, we heard the bell ring, and I told my son, "I said, hey, we're going to miss the women's rumble if we don't go back." And he was like, "Yeah, okay, we bailed out of line. Go back to our seats." And it was, I mean, it was a very, it was a good match. They're both great, but it was kind of the same thing. Like everything they're doing with Alexa, you kind of thought there would be something more to it. And then there wasn't. And it was the same thing. You had a match and you had this little bitty teaser at the end that's, that's telling or furthering a story. But you figure at an event like this, you're going to get like a big chunk of that story or a major turning point. And it was still just the little short five ten second video you would get on an episode of raw yeah. and that's that's all it was so that was yeah that was a lull to say the least and the, and to the point that when the women's rumble started and rhea ripley was the first one out you know i was just kind of like okay well this should be good instead of being like 
hyped for it or yeah, uh, I, having I the ripped the Lesnar shirt off or I didn't anything. like that because I, I was so hyped for the first part. And what in the the added intrigue to this was Dave, while we were at the yard house, had revealed that he had bet a laughable amount of money on Rhea to win this rumble. I mean, there was a comma involved, and and the fact that you're betting that on play fighting is a and uh, so so and and Rhea made an appearance during the men's rumble, but she didn't enter the rumble. I did call that she, though. Yes. But she walked out and she got speared by Beth Phoenix. And when that happened, I went, uh-oh. And then Rhea, if you remember, she comes out number one for Selling. the Women's Rumble. And she's hold, holding her ribs. And I looked down at Dave, which he couldn't. He didn't know I was looking down at him. I'm just shaking my head because, like, this is how they're going to get yeah, around this her this is how they're going to get around letting her win is she got right. hurt before the match and she drew number one. And we were having such a time teasing Dave for the next 30 or 40 minutes because we kept saying yeah this isn't gonna work Liv Morgan came out second I figured that's gotta be like the wet dream of Glenn <laughs> you didn't know I was booking the match <laughs> if you book the match it would just be them two and then the lights out match <laughs> <laughs> so and I walk out in the, in the LA night as I correctly predicted suit. in the previous podcast my experience for pretty much the rest of the women's rumble was just three two one indeterminate music who is that i don't know what's her deal never never seen her before uh for about 15 of the next 20 girls that came out with the exception of becky and bailey but for the most part it was it was a lot of question marks uh and oscar and oscar because i was i was on my feet I was on my feet when I saw the 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 Oscar symbol mask yeah. whatever pop up on the on the jumbo I like I like new look Oscar. I think it's good. I do too. Oh yeah. So we get down to the last three. Oscar's there. Liv and Rhea are there. So they did the one making it to the end in both the men's and the women's, which I feel like at some point they got to quit doing that because it's almost becoming too predictable at this point. But I got to say, the last you know three or four minutes of the Women's Rumble was phenomenal. They, the way yeah. that they ended the match with all three of them on the apron and the, and the I guess, the blue mist now, um, really well done. And Dave had hit both arms. Dave was more excited than Rhea pointing at the WrestleMania <laughs> side. <laughs> the biggest winner in that arena was Dave. And boy, was he relieved because there was a minute where she did the Oh man, I got I got kicked and I'm going off and she's holding the top rope and her legs are dangling and almost touching the floor and I think Dave's heart just skipped a beat. <laughs> I, I think that was that was uh we almost lost. Him. Never a doubt in my mind. Yeah. Go back to every Rumble episode we've done and we recount my prediction, especially in the women's Rumble and the bets I make. No. I'm like batting a thousand. No. You you got Becky, Charlotte, you got Charlotte, you got Bianca. Yeah, who was who was last year? Rousey. Yeah, we you, didn't did, bet did Rousey, bet on Rousey. We didn't know yeah. Rousey was going to be yeah. there, so I feel like I'll give him a pass. Other than that, yes, he's he's been impeccable. Man. So that so that's that. The crowd started to heat up a little towards the end of the women's rumble, but we're we're now it's main event time, and I feel like everybody's starting to wake back up. Yeah. So we've oh, got. Yeah. Bloodline, Roman, Sammy, KO, um, 
entrances were great. The crowd's hot. You know, I think we all kind of felt like the match was fine, but we all knew the match was just going to get to some inflection point with Sammy. And, you know, again, we won't, don't have to recount everything that happened, but I, I mean, I was riveted by the way they did that. I mean, we were standing up and I think you said to me, Glenn, walking out of there that it felt like when we were leaving, leaving, that it felt like you were leaving, you know, a, a home team playoff game when the home team got beat in overtime. <laughs> and everybody's just stunned and they're not talking and they're just quiet because they did such a good job telling the right. story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I could not be more, I mean, I, this is the best thing they've had going in a long time. I could not be more happy that we were there in person because the, the footage from that series of events is going to be shown for years to come. I mean, it was just such great storytelling. Yeah. And we were I've, a part of all of it. I've watched at least just, the aftermath after the main event match and the the point where Sammy hits Roman with the chair at least like at least 10 or 15 times because it's just and just thinking back to that moment because everyone was standing yes my youngest kid is standing in his seat so he can see (laughs) and then you know they did a great job of teasing it by having Roman hand him the chair and then get in front of him once where you think, and the crowd's like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And then Roman turns back around and does a great job of then embarrassing Sammy and talk about how he's crying and hits him in the face. And and then he goes back again. And then he, when he hits him with the chair, and 51,000 people screamed at the same time. <laughs> it was amazing. It was awesome. And then, yeah, and then the subsequent beatdown to Sammy and KO just left everybody stunned. The, uh, the J the chant that the crowd... The chant that the crowd went with at the end, probably not what we want the moms to know the kids heard, but uh, I've never experienced yeah. a chant like that before. No, he got he got real heat. Real heat. Yeah. He's got it now. They that did was, exactly that was the real what they deal. needed to do. And it's what they need to do going into Mania, too, because they need, we need most everyone. It's not going to be everyone, but we need the majority to now hate Roman. Yes. His character's got to lose. He's got to go away. And all that. You can't have it how it was before where he's the heel and everybody loves Sammy. But honestly, when Roman walked out, probably 70% of the people were standing up with the number one in the yeah. air. Including me. Oh, yeah. But not, hey, not, not, I wasn't doing that uh, Friday night, though. No. I did, uh, after we got back home, it was that Sunday night, and I was talking with one of my kids before they went to bed, and they asked me, and they said, he said, do you, do you still, Dad, do you still like the tribal chief? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't do great things last night. That wasn't very nice or whatever, but I think I still support the tribal chief. And he's like, even after what he did to Sammy? <laughs> I was like, Man, I don't know, son. You make some good points here. Man. Unbelievable. Have you... uh Obviously, it was just last night when we were recording this. Have either of you watched Raw? I have. Uh, not yet. I've watched I haven't yet. Man, how great was Paul Heyman and the Paul Heyman-Cody? Dude. It, Paul. I mean, Paul Heyman, I'm already a fan, but, I mean, he was legit getting emotional talking about Dusty Rhodes. Like, unbelievable. If you, Yeah, Glenn, watch, okay. watch that promo. Don't skip through it. It's unbelievable. And then... No, that's he, that's on the agenda for tomorrow. He hits uh, Paul Heyman as a, a great line to end it when he's talking about the last time he talked to Dusty. It's, it's incredible. Okay. But 
I want to, I know we're, we're getting to the end here, but quick question. And let me start by saying I like Cody a lot. And I think, I think some of, uh, I said this on the podcast over a year ago, whenever AEW first started the Cody Rhodes prodigal son interview leading to his match with his brother, top five promos of all time. Look it up on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Is he the one to beat Roman? I mean, the answer is yes, but I don't. I'm a, I'm with you. I think no, I don't want it to happen, but it has to happen. It has to happen sometime. But at the same time, I'm like, if you are just like going up and down the roster, right? I mean, is there a huge difference between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Other than other than just the new factor, I guess that's it. Yeah. Maybe the new factor and the the family factor, but yeah, I mean that's the I don't know. And obviously Brock is played out now, but like just physically, like you could see Brock being the one to dethrone him. I don't want it to mm-hmm. be Brock. They've already done that match eight hundred times. Yeah. But you're like just looking at him. You're like, man, like he's beat Rollins. He's beat you know, McIntyre, he's beat all these people. And now Cody Rhodes is going to be the one. (laughs) No, it's, it's, um, it, it, they've painted themselves in this corner by making him unbeatable, but they're going to have to beat him sometime. And this, I think this is going to be it. Well, I I think it's going to be it, but I think the two stories have to cross over somehow because we have had a lot of matches, not all of them, but a lot of Roman defenses where it appeared that he was, on the ropes or like in the case against McIntyre, he was, he was beaten. And then he got assistance from someone in the bloodline that, that turned the match. And I feel like we're headed towards something where either one of them, one of the Usos or solo betrays Roman during the match that opens the, the door for Cody to win or that moment where they would normally help him. They just walk away. Yeah. And and leave him like I, I don't think you're just gonna have it. He just walks out with Heyman, and Cody beats him, and that's it. I just don't. I that that's the point you're making, and I don't think you can just have it that straightforward and simple. I agree. And the other thing that's I don't know that's bothering me about it is like as we've mentioned the storyline, the Sammy bloodline, long build, Rumble end was amazing. Obviously, it's going to be him and Sammy at Elimination Chamber in like a month or whatever. But then, like, if they go straight from that to Cody, I feel like they're missing out on. They could tell even more of a story of, you know, Sammy I hope and they don't do that. Sammy and Jay. Like, what's going on? You know, is there, like, they could drag out the storyline they're in now longer. But if you have Cody beat him in two months. Like then everything with Sammy doesn't really matter anymore, right? Yeah, and I, I hope that they don't just blow this off in Montreal and that's it at Judge or at um, Elimination Chamber because my goodness, if they do, what a waste of yeah. of gold! I don't think they will though. I have confidence in Triple H. Here's my booking. You want to hear it real quick? Sure. No, I'm in. All right. So, Sammy Roman Elimination Chamber. Right. 
you know, same kind of deal. It's getting to the end. Maybe, maybe Sammy has them beat. You get Usos maybe against each other. Maybe Jimmy on Roman's side, Jay on Sammy's, Solo's in there, the whole thing. Now's the time for The Rock to come out. Oh, right. So we don't, we, if only, we don't get an end there. The only thing to do now is Mania. Fatal Four Way, Rhodes, Roman, The Rock, Sammy Zane, no, and Gunther, and Gunther <laughs> stacks all three of them up and pins them. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna, we're gonna pay you uh, two weeks severance and thank you for being on the booking <laughs> team, Dave. Gunther is still gonna be dizzy from all the F fives from the the Beast Incarnate that he's gonna be getting that weekend. Which, if that is a possibility, because I didn't watch Raw, and then the next day I saw something that said about Lashner, Lashner, yeah, Lashley Lesnar, and, and Lashley. And Brock made a uh, made a date for Elimination Chamber. Right. So I thought that was Mania. So they're. I, I can't imagine. I don't think Brock's gonna do Elimination Chamber, then not do Mania. Plus, I think unless he extended his contract, I think his contract's up after Mania. So I feel yeah, like that it's a natural. They'll have yeah he'll he'll be a draw so they'll bring him in right yeah, yeah definitely all right so we've uh, we've gone a little over our normal time but just to yeah. kind of put a bow on bow on the trip we uh, slogged our way back to the car in the uh, in the San Antonio fog and mist got stuck in the parking garage for a solid hour even though we parked a mile away from the venue. But when we got home, we just watched more wrestling. It was a great, it was a great trip, and uh, I wish we, uh, I wish we didn't have to wait a year to do this again because it was a uh, a wonderful time. It was great to see you guys and a great event uh, as well. And yeah, I agree. I think the uh, from my standpoint, the uh, Vantage Point venue, this was my favorite one uh, from that standpoint yet. So Tommy, I know, yeah, I think so. I know you were worried about the location of the St. Louis Airbnb. And you were also very concerned about the San Antonio one. Any interest in going to SummerSlam this year? Not unless we do what we did the last time I went there and stay at Caesars Palace in Canada (laughs) and just drive in for the event because there is no Airbnb in Detroit that I uh, will meet my specifications. There's a lot of vacancies there. 